today we are going to um, do some wrap-up. We have been in a series, this is the 14th week we have been in this series, can you believe it? We have had uh, a number of sermons on our, on our new mission statement, expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. We talked about relationship. We talked about um, relationship within the church. We talked about relationship outside of the church, um, both with other Christian churches and with non-Christians. We talked about discipleship. Does anyone remember the acronym we used for discipleship? Disciples need to be fatter. Thank you. All right, we got the, the, the acronym. Do we remember it? what it means? F, disciples need to be faithful. A, disciples need to be available. Good. T, disciples need to be teachable. R, disciples need to be reproducing. Excellent. We got through that. All right, I'm done. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and then we talked four weeks on worship. And worship were those four E's. Worship In worship, we want to exalt God. We want to edify. I heard it. Edify one another, teach one another, form one another in worship. The third one was we want to, uh, yep, engage. I was about to say, if you know Patrick Stewart in Star Trek, you know this one, engage. And then the fourth one was we want to be an, an example to the world. So we have this mission to expand Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. And, you know, as someone who was in education is someone who thinks about, uh, who was that kind of rascally kid who didn't, I could do my math homework, but I didn't do it. Why? Because I already know how to do it. I always ask the question, why? Why do we have this? What does it all point to? What's the, the kind of summing up? Because we can get to that point in our faith where, where we say, you know what? I have accepted Jesus. I know where I am headed. I am good. I have my ticket punched. I am on my way. But what should we look like if we are living into this mission, mission statement? Well, let me say this it would look like living into a relationship with God right now. Let's put it another way. Let's say uh, you were talking to your spouse or to your significant other, or you were talking to someone who was really, really important to you, and you said, you know what, I love you, I want to be with you, you are the most important thing in my life, and I will spend one hour a week with you until I die. And then I'll spend all my time with you. I will give moderate consideration to what it is that you want and the things that you do and do not like. It would be uh, like the beginning of the worship service. We'd be back into a therapy session, would we not? And I was taught in seminary to know when to refer out. And if I heard those things, I would be referring you out quickly. That is above my pay grade. That's a relationship that would be in some trouble. 
And so we want to live into a relationship with God right now. We want to be able to, to experience the fullness of God, to experience life with God, to, to know the love of God in our life right now. The relationship that I described for you with a, with a spouse where you're saying, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll spend one hour a week, I'll, I'll eat your cookie afterwards, and, and, and I'll be on my way, that's not a healthy relationship. There's no warmth, there's no affection, there is no uh, mutual love and, uh, and work. Because in a, in a deeply loving relationship, we become the place where the other person wants to be, don't we? You know, Katie left with the boys on Friday for Dover to go visit her parents. And I'm okay with that. One, because I'm an, in, an, an introvert. But two, because I know I'm going there this afternoon. After we're done here, I'm going to go down to the house. I'm going to uh, throw my things into my suitcase. I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to drive to Dover, Ohio, and it's going to be great. And I'm going to get to see my father-in-law for the first time since he had his hip surgery. And I'm excited because Katie said that, that he's moving around. She forgot that he had had hip surgery. That's how well he's moving. And so I'm excited to be there. That's the place that I want to be, not that I don't love y'all. But she is the place that I want to be. And shouldn't there be a bit of that same warmth, a bit of that same affection, a bit of that same desire in our relationship with God? That wherever God is, that's the place I want to be. It reminded me of Cheers. I grew up watching Cheers. You want to be where everyone knows your name. I'm really dating myself through some of these sermons. This is, I'm not liking that aspect. But it does remind me of that. And we want to be where God is, and God wants to be where we are as well. In theological language, I'll phrase it this way, kind of the main idea for the, for the day. We become the temple of God. The temple, of course, was that, that place where God wanted to be, where God would come and dwell with his people. And so we become the temple of God in the here and the now. And we're going to discuss this through three different ways. One, through deep transformation. We become the temple of God through deep transformation. Two, we become the temple of God in Christ's love. And three, we become the temple of God in according, uh, according to God's power. So we become the temple of God through deep transformation in Christ's love and according to God's power. And we're going to see that today through Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Go ahead and take a moment, grab your Bible, open to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Uh, Ephesians is the same book we've been in for the past two weeks now. Um, and so uh, it is right after Galatians in the New Testament portion of your Bible. It is right before Philippians, some of those smaller letters of Paul. So we pick up actually right where we left off last week. Last week we read 7 through 13. Today we are going to finish chapter 3. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word to us today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these words of Paul, which which teach us about how much you desire to have us and how we can desire to have you. Lord, help us to, to see what that would mean for our lives, to, to have a desire to be with you in the depth of our soul that drives everything that we do. Lord, thank you for your eternal pursuit of us your wayward children. Teach us now, Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we become the temple of God, first of all, through deep transformation. Now, when you have guests coming over, who here cleans their house? All right, yeah, I figured. I like to see some of the kids raising their hands. We've taught them young, haven't we? Just as I mentioned that there are less than four months until Christmas, you have two and a half months until Thanksgiving, Really not liking your sermon today. (laughs) Two and a half months until Thanksgiving. And I know what Thanksgivings are like. We have been through enough of them uh, that where we have had people over. That is the the downside of being the the part of the family who has both a pastor and um, a distance to drive. So for 16 years, Katie and I lived 600 plus miles away from our family. So they always came to us knowing that I had to preach on Sunday. Because as you will hear pastors say, Sunday's always coming. You you can ask pastors and say, have you ever heard someone say Sunday's always coming? Yes, we we know, we know. And so I know what that week was like. I had less time during Thanksgiving week, not because of the actual holiday of Thanksgiving, but because of everything that needed to happen prior to that in my house. We had to clean up. We had to make sure that we were we're ready for family to come in, and we do. We clean. We get ready. In, in good old western Pennsylvania parlance, we read up. <laughs> I didn't know that wasn't a thing until I met Katie. But we read up. And in the Old Testament, there were a lot of regulations surrounding the temple. 
if you've read the, the Old Testament, if you've gone through uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, if you've gotten through that, if you've gotten into Deuteronomy, first of all, congratulations. Secondly, you also know that there are a lot of regulations surrounding the temple. Very exact specifications in how the temple is to be built. Very exact specifications in, in how the temple is to be approached. Very specific instructions on how the sacrifices are to be given. What the priests are to be doing. How they are to be dressed. Why is that? Well, we can get the idea that that's because God is kind of this nitpicky God that just wants to make us do a bunch of things. That's kind of the, 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 the way that children feel about parents when we tell them, you know, you need to clean your room, you need to take out the trash and so on. Why are you making me do this? And we feel that way about God too. Why are you making us do all of this in order to get ready? Why are you making us do all of this in relationship with you? We can feel that those regulations are overwhelming. But here's the thing. That's where God's glory dwelt. That's where God's presence came to live among us. If if we get ready for our family for, for one time a year, if we prepare a great meal and if we vacuum in places that we have not vacuumed in 364 days, if we wash windows that have not been washed in 364 days, if, if we pull out silverware and plates that we have not used since the prior Christmas or Easter, and that's for our own family, with all their flaws, with all their foibles, with all the, the tension that we have about what conversation is going to come up this year. If we do all of that for our family, then what is it that we do to prepare for the presence of God in our midst? Do, do, the, do the regulations somehow become more understandable? This is cleaning the proverbial house. This is getting ready for for the ultimate guest. This is being ready for God's presence in our midst. We prepare for people. I worked in grocery. The two hardest days were Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right prior. We spend a lot of time We spend a lot of money. We spend a lot of physical, emotional, and mental resources in getting ready for that day. But here's the thing. God never meant to live in a temple constructed out of wood and stone. That was never meant to be the temple where God lived. You and I, that is the temple where God meant to dwell. We can think about the splendor of Solomon's temple. We can think about the splendor of the second temple, but that was never meant to house God's presence. If you read Ezekiel, you can see that that awful day when God's presence lifted up out of the temple. The, the glory cloud left the temple. It was just a horrific day for the people of Israel. But 
we can realize that that was never where God's glory was meant to live. It was meant to live in you and I. We were meant to be in relationship with God. There was no temple that we made in the Garden of Eden. We were the temple, and God walked with us every single day. But we messed the temple up, didn't we? If our lives are meant to house the glory of God, We've kind of allowed some dust to accumulate, haven't we? Or maybe it's looked more like there's been a full-on party that happened. And we see the end results of it. And this is what holiness is about. Holiness isn't about God saying, ha, 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 I will make you dance. You need to do this and this and this and this. And then maybe you'll be all right to come in. It was Jesus saying to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down from there because I'm going to go dine with you today. I need to go get the place ready. It's about God saying, I want to come and be with you. I don't want you to be at a distance. I don't want you to be far away. I want you to be with me, and I want to be with you. And just like we wouldn't allow there to be a half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the middle of the floor when our our guests come for dinner, God is saying there are some things that I just can't be okay with. If we were going over to someone's house for dinner and we hadn't showered in a couple days, that would, be, that would be objectively objectionable, wouldn't it? We would walk in, and that would be offensive to that person, would it not? And so if we haven't cleaned ourselves, if we have not found spiritual cleanliness for, the, for, for God who is spirit and truth, why would that not be objectionable as well? We are cleaning up so that the presence of God can dwell in us. You know, we make it about rule keeping. We make it about those tally marks where it says, where do I get to go at the end of my life? You know, okay, I, uh, I, uh, I helped someone across the street. I didn't cut that person off. That's in the good column. Uh, I let someone go in front of me at the, at the grocery store. That's in the good column. Um, I did lose it with that person. That's in the bad column. And we make it about these scales. And, uh, and we make it about tally marks. But God wants it to be about a relationship. I'm coming to be with you. And just as we'd prepare for any other guest, he invites us to prepare for him. What is the state of our spiritual house? What's the state of our spiritual house? That's the question that we get out of this. Paul prays in in 16 and 17, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Actually, that's going to get into the next section, but 
he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I want your soul to be cleaned up so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Anytime the spirit is brought up, there is an element of holiness lurking in the background. And we want to recognize that. Is our spiritual house, so to speak, is our life a place that we want to invite the Almighty? Because I'm coming to your house today. That's the question that arises from this. And so uh, we become the temple of God through deep transformation, through God coming in and, and helping us to clean out that spiritual house and say, you can clean over here and you can get this done and you can get that done and it's okay because then we will be together. Deep transformation. But we also become the temple of God in Christ's love. Like I mentioned before, I'm excited this afternoon to go and see Katie and to see the boys and to, to spend time with them and to go take a walk at one of our favorite places over in Dover. And you know, and you can see, especially when you're first in love, um, uh, couples who are just newly in love because they want to go everywhere together and it's just, it's sickeningly sweet, is it not? They want to spend more and more time with one another. And really, for those of us who are past the initial, the initial uh, euphoria, we look at our lives and we say, you know what, there is no one I would rather have spent these past however many years with. And when that person is gone, we long for their presence in our lives, don't we? It's a painful, painful reality. Pat Upton in the Spiral Staircase put this best in 1969. I'm going to see if some of you know this. I love you more today. All right. But not as much as tomorrow. How much are we in love with Christ? Is that the kind of relationship that we have with Jesus, or is it, is it more indifferent? Is it more cool? Is it, is it more distanced? People who are in love desire to be to, together. You know, A.W. Tozer was a uh, theologian in the early 20th century, and he said in his uh, book, The Pursuit of God, you know, we have created a system. This, think about this. This is back in 1948 that he wrote this. He said, we've created a system where we can accept Jesus, but we really have no affection for him. We can accept him, but we have no affection for him. But that's not the relationship that God desires for us, and that's not the relationship that Paul desired that the Ephesians would have with Christ as well. As we go on uh, in verses 18 and 19, you know, he says that, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness. Have you ever had someone ask, why do you love me? It's a difficult question to answer, isn't it? It's almost like words fail us in that moment. Why do you love me? Um, 
if I say anything, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. I just do. And psychologists have, have answered why that is that we, we struggle when something is, when we are so passionately loving of something. It's because that, that feeling resides in a part of our brain where there are no words. That, that we would have to, to filter that out, and it, it, it's, it's inexpressible in our heads. It's beyond what words can handle. And so if we are very quick, well, I love Jesus because he gives me eternal life. Can, can you quickly express why you love Jesus, or is it one of those things where it goes, where you say, mm, I, just, mm, I just do. And it's hard to express. The end result of our love of Jesus or the, or the, the ongoing pursuit of our love of Jesus should be a never-ending quest, something that Simon Sinek called the infinite game of knowing God's love more and more, not just intellectually. We have reduced in the church too much God's love to an intellectual pursuit. I know that God loves me. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should, be, should not perish but have eternal life. And we rattle those things off. I, God's love is unconditional. And we say those things so very quickly without connecting them to what they mean for us intellectually, to connecting them to a love that pursues Jesus more and more every day. That's why we started with Psalm 42 today. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? This is not someone who didn't know what God is like. This is someone who knew what God was like and wanted more. Who wanted more of God's love in their life. You know, it wasn't before Moses had uh, a lot of time with God that he asked, one thing I would ask, show me your glory. glory. Show me more of you. It's after he had known God for a while. And he wanted more of the experience of God in his life. What's your soul's inclination towards God? What is my soul's inclination toward God? Is it a cold intellectualism or is it a deep abiding love that surpasses emotionalism, surpasses intellectualism, and is a deep, deep love that desires more and more every day? I love you more today than yesterday not as much as tomorrow. We become the temple of God in Christ's love, and we become the temple of God according to God's power. Because you might be asking yourself at this point, okay, I know what my spiritual house looks like. I know the condition of my soul. I don't have that much time. It may sound impossible. In fact, the way I feel is that if I have preached this right, it should sound impossible. It should sound like, yeah, that's something that I'm never going to be able to achieve. And I would say, good. 
you're on the right track. You have started in the right position. You are in the right mindset before God. You know, when we think about, you know, how difficult this would be to, to have a love of God that, that reaches this way and to, to have a, a spiritual cleanliness that reaches as far as I'm talking about, you know, we don't need to look at the, the national and the international news to say, you know what, things are a mess. We can look in our own hearts. How long have we been trying to be good people? And how many sins trip us up over and over and over again And we think, when am I going to outgrow this? Kids, it's okay. We are at whatever age and we are still saying, when am I going to outgrow this? Amen? Hmm. We think, boy, once I, get, once I graduate from college, I won't have problems with this again. Once I start my own job and have my own house, I won't have this problem again. Once I get married, we won't have these problems again. Once, that's not true. We keep trying and we keep trying and and all of us here are trying. And all of us know that we keep coming up short. You know, what if God said, here's the thing, I'm going to be gracious, I'm not going to use my standard, I'm simply going to use your standard of how you think people ought to act and behave. We can't even measure up to that, can we? We prove that every day on the roads. And so what do we do? Well, here's the thing. God never designed us to do it on his own. Like I mentioned, you read Genesis and God walked with Adam and Eve every day. Every single day he was there. His presence was available. His his strength was there. His spirit was there. In the garden, we walked daily with God. It wasn't meant to be on our own. That is, a, that is an idea we have constructed. Listen to what Paul says again in verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's the power that is at work. That is the partner that we have in this. That is how we are going to accomplish this, not through our own strength, not through our collective strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit giving us life and power and movement towards where we are supposed to go. And if you can't imagine how much transformation, if you can't imagine how much, how much change that will be, then great, neither does Paul, but he entrusts himself to the one who is beyond all of that. We will be people who rely squarely on the power of God, knowing that we can't do it ourselves. Otherwise, we will become the anxious, 
frightful mess we are becoming. So at the end of all of this, at the end of this mission statement, what should we be? People who are deeply transformed, who allow the Holy Spirit to into each and every facet of our lives and allow that transformation to make us a place where God's Spirit delights to dwell. People who are deeply in love, of Je- in love with Jesus and who want to know him more and more and who can't wait to see how he will reveal himself to us next. And we should be people who rely on the Holy Spirit daily. Knowing that, yeah, we can provide the food and water maybe that we need in the shelter, but when I wake up, What I really need is the Holy Spirit. Give us this day, Lord Jesus, give me this day what I need that only you can provide. That's the people that we should be. And that's how we expand Christ's community. Through worship, through discipleship, and through relationship. That's the calling. That's the direction. That's the result. Let's pray. Lord, to imagine what it is that you have for us is just incomprehensible. To imagine the ways you want to transform us, to imagine the ways that you want to dwell with us, to imagine the ways that you want to be in relationship with us is beyond what we can imagine. But Lord Jesus, help us to know just enough of that for today that we desire more. Help us to seek after you fervently, passionately, deeply. Help us to bring our entire self to you. Holy Spirit, we know that we cannot do that on our own, and so we ask that you would, you would be within each of us, moving us forward, moving us towards what you would have us to do and to be. And help us to praise you and to worship you along the way and to give you all that we are feeling and thinking along the way. Lord, only you are able to accomplish this. Help us, we pray, through Jesus' name. Amen.